few months. Yes, sir. I had a question, just the understanding of when the people referred, devotees referred to um, a, a shiksha guru, for example, um, it, it, when we, it, sometimes when we talk about it, it sounds like a, a very formalized connection, um, like one has with a, when they take, you know, when they receive harinam initiation mm-hmm. and diksha. So I've heard that and gotten that impression, but then also I've always heard people saying, well, you have many different gurus and get shiksha from, from many different sources. And I know there can be a main focus or at least... Mm-hmm. But I can speak from my understanding. Um, first of all, I believe there is a misrepresentation of the term siksha in current dialogue of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And I've also asked Swami Tripurari about this and got confirmation that, that the view I have is is more in line. Siksha is active principle. We we take Siksha from someone that we can actively ask pertinent question to to my circumstance now and he gives direction. I know a lot of Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they say, well, we, everybody needs to take shiksha from Prabhupada. Well, actually, Prabhupada is... Uh, his, his instructions are in his books now for future generations. Now, of course, as a direct disciple of Prabhupada, Prabhupada comes to me in a dream or, or in something like that, even though he's departed the physical plane. I take that as direct instruction to those coming further down prior acharya. He's a prior guru. And although it's attributed to him to take shiksha, that's not my understanding. You will not notice that anywhere in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Shiksha is taken from someone just like guru. That said, we should understand that our line is a shiksha line. So shiksha is more significant to our spiritual development than diksha. Diksha is a formality. It's important formality. We are a Siksha line. So wherever we're finding that spiritual nourishment, which is pushing us on to advance more and more, that's, that's where we go. So we may take Diksha at one place, and later as things change, we may find Siksha is, is more prevalent somewhere else. And we may say, well, you may ask, please, can I take some shelter there? I'm finding real nourishment there. And, of course, any, you know, bona fide spiritual master will say, of course, certainly. If there's inspiration there, you go there. When you say diksha, you mean diksha mantra. Diksha mantra. Mantra guru is mantra, and getting mantra, getting nama, that's an external that doesn't minimize it. It's necessary for us. We're in the external world. We're not in the spiritual world. So we need mantra. We need nama. And generally speaking, for the most part, the most prominent Siksha guru will become your Diksha guru. Yeah, that, I mean, that's it's a natural course. It's a natural course. But it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen that way, especially in a large institution. But that's another point. Just remember, always always strive for where you're getting that 
real spiritual nourishment. Now, it may come from a, a few sources. The Vartman Padarsika guru, the one that's introducing you to the, to the practice of Krishna consciousness, is also very significant, not to be minimized. But Siksha is foremost in our line. Siksha is foremost. And generally, Siksha guru is Diksha guru. But uh, always keep in mind that we as devotees do not see a distinction. We offer our respects to all Vaishnavas. Of course, Rupa Goswami gives us some qualifications in Upadesha Amrita as to how we do that. You know, our prostate obeisances to those people who are who are, who are engaged full-time in devotional service. And we faithfully serve with heart and soul those pure devotees who are free of any material encumbrance. So. I have a question about shiksha, shiksha meaning instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, a, there's personal instruction. And then there's... Some, sorry to interrupt, but you said active, you said it was active principle. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about rather mm-hmm. than maybe like... Yeah, we take instruction, we take knowledge from yeah. all these prior acharyas, but they're, they're purva acharyas. Right. Purva acharya, they're... Uh... Well, I, 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 still, I still didn't really get my question out. Mm-hmm. Here's my question, yeah. So, there's various levels of instruction. We're receiving instruction from you every week. Mm-hmm. But there's very personal instruction coming from, you know, you know, those are different kinds of instruction. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're talking about Shiksha Guru, you're talking about a very personal instruction. You're talking about the, those instructions which are really enthusing you mm-hmm. to increase your service more and more and are giving you the most intimate details of that service. So those can come. You you could have more than one Siksha Guru. Mm-hmm. You could have more that's one that's more prominent and one that's less prominent. Mm-hmm. You could get into the you know is there a, is there a line between uh, Vartmapa Darsika Guru and then when he he may come a, become a Siksha Guru. These are just details. Okay. Who's helping us in our spiritual life? We offer all obeisances to, in any way that they're helping us. If it's the wino on the street that's helping us. Because we're seeing that's not the way we want to live our life, then, then we take instruction there. Thank you. Who took instruction from from uh, Chintamani? Chintamani, Chintamani was a prostitute, and one great Vaishnav, he he would frequent her home. Bilvamangal Thakur, yes, and. Uh, so one night, it was a horrendous storm out. I mean, you can imagine, just like torrents of rain were coming and lightning. And, but still, he had his desire that had to be, he had that taste and he wanted to feel that desire. So he went to the, he went at considerable discomfort to the house of, of Chintamani that evening. The rain was coming, there was floods, the rivers were flooding, he's trying to cross the river, he mistakes a, a, a corpse that's in the river for a log. Imagine, oh my gosh. And he finally gets there, and she's there, and she's aware of the weather, she looks outside and she looks at him and says, well, 
if you had if you had as much attachment for Krishna a shakti if you had as much attachment a shakti for Krishna as you had for me you'd be a pure devotee and said yes I would wouldn't I hmm maybe I should do that and from that point she became his guru in that respect not that she gave him mantra not that she gave him instruction how to advance more and more in the line but she was that guru that impetus to make him take up spiritual life how important is that in our life who does that to us who gives us that so yeah, this is all significant yes sir if we were to, so, so to specify it all about guru like Chintamani we might say she, she was a more significant guru to him at that moment and yeah okay or Vartma Padarsika led him to Krishna right, right, yeah. but we don't you know wherever we're finding that it's not this isn't a this isn't a matter of oh I'm going to let worship you more than him you know no we worship everybody that's devoted that's that's Vaikuntha atmosphere it's, it's, it seems like it's it seems like it's a matter of the grace being all around us but it's at certain times only when we actually realize it and as when we realize the grace is upon us then then we can actually make some progress from it Mm-hmm. But seeing it is the big deal. Also understand that, that the Vaishnavs' appreciation of Guru is also according to their qualification. Like Kanista Adhikari, beginning, Majjama Adhikari, Uttama Adhikari. The Kanista Adhikari, someone that's just beginning to, to appreciate the Supreme Lord, he generally only sees the deity in the temple. And that's where his worship is. And when he walks out the temple door... Like he goes, life goes back to normal. In a similar way, when our qualification is just beginning in devotional life, we see guru generally only in the initiator. Now he's my guru. He's my diksha guru. I took initiation from him. And we, just as we may see Krishna only in the deity. But as we mature, we see, well, Krishna's in the deity, but he's more in the hearts of the devotees for me. That's where I'm really finding him. And, and without their association, you know, what would, my, what would be my worship in the temple? You know, what would it be? Of what value? Similarly, as we mature and, and come mature in our devotional practice, then our appreciation of guru also becomes broader just as our appreciation of Krishna broadens from from just the deity form in the temple. Everybody answered okay? We'll go on to a little Bhagavad Gita. Seventh chapter, Knowledge of the Absolute. Talking about this core. core. Now we're coming to the scent, you know, the heart of Bhagavad Gita. So, Umajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshurun Militanyena, Tasmai Sri Guruvena Maha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes. With the torchlight of our knowledge, I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. In the 
Ninth chapter, the fourth verse. Mayatadami dam sarvam jagat avyakta murtina matstani sarva bhutani nachaham te swavastita. By me and my unmanifested form, this entire universe is pervaded. All beings are in me, but I am not in them. At the end of the purport to that verse, Prabhupada says the following. Yet one should not conclude that because he is spread all over, he has lost his personal existence. To refute such an argument, the Lord says, I am everywhere and everything is in me, but still I am aloof. For example, a king heads a government, which is but the manifestation of the king's energy. The different governmental departments are nothing but the energies of the king, and each department is resting on the king's power. But still, one cannot expect the king to be present in every department personally. This is a crude example. Similarly, all the manifestations that we see in everything that exists, both in the material world and in the spiritual world, are resting on the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The creation takes place by the diffusion of his different energies. And as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Vistabhyaham idam kritsnam. He is everywhere present by his personal representation, the diffusion of his different energies. So this is often a, a difficult... thing to put our mind around is this achinta beta beta conception simultaneously one and different that Krishna is manifest with his various potencies and everything rests on him and therefore and all the energy is emanating from him so it rests on his energy. It's all coming forth from him. Still, he is separate separate, in that he's not affected by this diffusion of his energies. So how, how to really get grasp of this conception of, of how how Krishna is the essence of everything in the world but separate from it can give us one thing that can give us a little bit of insight is when we take for instance our situation in the material body so we have you know all the extremities of the body which are in essence not truly ourself but still it's through them that we express ourselves Although we can remember the touch of a loved one, the touch is not really the loved one. The essence of the loved one is the fact and the way that they embraced us or touched us or looked at us, their eyes looked at us. And that's what really touches us, is their essence. Not the physical, but the fact that they express themselves through the physical, that's how we can relate to them. That gives us a crude understanding of how we can see 
as Krishna stated in the earlier verses up to this point, you know, I'm the taste of water. I'm the light of the sun and the moon. I'm the intelligence in man. I'm the ability in man. So he gave these examples. I am the fragrance of the earth, the essence of the earth, the fragrance. First of all, he tied all these essences, the scent, the heat, the light, back to the verse where he expressed that they were his external energy. Mumir, Apo, Nalo, Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, all these are my separated material energies. But there's also a superior energy of mind, which are all the living entities. So he tied the essence of both the material elements and the essence of the separated living entities as they express them, themselves through bodies in the material world, the essence of both the elements and the entities back to himself in those verses. Did he not? On this, see me there. We can understand that all-pervasiveness of the Supreme just as we can understand the essence of an individual what we truly appreciate in the person if is really not the physical elements. It's themselves. And they express themselves how? Through their body. They look at us. They touch us. They feel us. They talk to us. They interact with us in so many ways. And that, when they're not physically there anymore... Still, we can relate to them. We can relate to them in a subtle way just through the remembrance of what? The essence of what they were. The character that they had. The spiritual. So we can kind of do the same kind of a, a relationship when we look at the material energy and we feel the wind and the warmth of the sun and the fragrance of the earth and the ability and the men and the people that were associated with and their intelligence, we can see all that Krishna is really the background of all of that. Now, in this verse, he talks about our condition in the material energy. In verse 13, he begins an explanation. Up through 11, he's explained, I'm the strength of the strong, devoid of passion and desire. I have a sex life, not contrary to religious principles. I'm the origin of everything, the seed of all existence, intelligent man, powers, the prowess, the light. Then, in text 12, he starts, Know that all states of being, be they of goodness, passion, or ignorance, are manifestations of my energy. They're all manifestations of his energy. These modes of material nature, sattva-gun, the mode of goodness, raja-gun, the mode of passion, tama-gun, the mode of ignorance. All the qualities, all the energies, the vibhutis, it's a Sanskrit term, all these different energies of the Supreme Lord are manifest and they're manifest in this material energy with these characteristics. 
The essence is Krishna, but when it, when when that essence comes into contact with with the material energy, then there is some color, and that color is according to the modes of material nature: goodness, passion, and ignorance. Which is the most common? Okay. Depends on where you're at, <laughs> both consciously and and physically. Know that all states of being, be they goodness, passion, are manifested by my energy. All these modes are manifested. I am in one sense everything, but I am independent. I am not under the modes of material nature, for they, on the contrary, are within me. So he's the essence, but when we see that essence separate from him, then the modes of material nature are taking, having some effect on our consciousness. If we see in everything in relation to Krishna, there's no influence in the modes of material nature. The problem is, we generally don't see that way. The pure devotee sees Krishna everywhere. He doesn't distinguish. Whether it be an elephant, a dog, a dog eater, the gentle Brahmin, he sees them all as equal. He doesn't see the external body. Our problem is, sometimes we don't see like that. Therefore, we're colored by the modes of material nature. Deluded by the three modes, goodness, passion, and ignorance, the whole world does not know me. If we're free of the delusion of the external energy and these modes seeing through these modes of judging and trying to exploit and goodness, passion and ignorance. If we're in the, in the heavenly planets where we have sense and mind control, that's the, that's the consciousness of the devas, the demigods, the controllers. They say all devotees are what? Much, they have all the powers of all the demigods. Why? Because they control their minds and senses. Well, you say, well, not all the, all the demigods control their minds and senses. There's so many stories in Bhagavatam. Well, compared to us, they control their minds and senses. They, they wouldn't have been put in those responsible posts of universal administration if they didn't have control. So we should not misunderstand when we read of some of the exploits. Yes, they also fall victim to the modes of material nature but control their minds and senses this they certainly do they all they have to be in those positions com complete mastery they have all the yogic siddhas you don't have yogic siddhas if you're an uncontrolled personality does that mean that the modes of material nature can't get the better of them well that's what we're studying now who am above the modes and inexhaustible. Free of the modes, we can know Krishna. Under the modes, our knowing is colored according to how the modes influence us. And Krishna is saying in the verse we chanted tonight, what? Of your own? Daivihyesha gunamai mamamaya darachaya. This divine energy of mine, 
What's this word divine mean? Divine means it's it's spiritually enthused, right? It's higher above our plane. This divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material is difficult to overcome. You could say it's virtually impossible. But those who have surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. With your energy, with the facilities you have, controlling and conquering the modes of material nature, not possible. Surrender unto me, I'll take care of it. It's just like a small child with their parents. If the parents are there, no bully is going to beat you up when your dad's standing beside you. If you're at the side of your father, there's no question of being overcome. If we are surrendered to Krishna and standing beside Krishna at every moment, then he'll protect us in the most difficult of circumstances. It all depends on what? Ye yatamam prapajyante. All of them, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. The level of protection is based on what? The level of surrender. But it's not conditional. Okay, there it gets a little bit... What do you mean? It's, it sounds like it's conditional. It's based on how much I'm surrendered is how much I'm protected. No, for a devotee, Krishna's giving all protection. But it may appear like he's not giving protection. What? Because we're colored by the modes of material nature. Krishna's not discriminating. We're seeing that he's... We're perceiving discrimination, but the fact of the matter is there is no discrimination. So these qualities. Now we go on to Krishna and analyzing eight different conditions in two verses of the mentality and how the modes of material nature affect the mentality of the living entity. So this verse, verse 15. Mm. Namam duskrutino mudha prapajyante naradama mamaya pahitagyana asuram bhavamasrita. Those miscreants who are grossly foolish, who are lowest among mankind, whose knowledge is stolen by illusion, and who partake of the atheistic nature of demons, do not surrender unto me. All right, so let's look and break down this verse. What Namam discritino mudha. This word, discritina, dusta, evil, evil or spoiled. Discritina. Our consciousness, if it's evil or spoiled, we're miscreants. Our intelligence has become evil in four different ways, depending on the degree. And then Krishna breaks down the degree. Prapajyante naradama. So, namam no mudha. First one, the first one of the duskritinas, 
The miscreants is a mudha. It's the nature of a mudha. He simply works hard for like an ass. And we've discussed this many times. The ass working hard day and night for something that's there automatically. You don't have to work so hard. But still, he's carrying a huge burden. At the end of the day, he's approaching the seat she asked to be kicked in the face. Uh, it's, it's very materialist. He doesn't know that karma is meant for sacrifice. Our activities in this world are meant for sacrifice. And if we do everything, yat karoshi yadashno hisi, yajjahosi didasi yat, all that you do, all that you offer and give away, if you do that as an offering unto the Supreme, then that kind of karma is not going to kick you in the head. Not going to drag you down. So, mudas. First is kritina. The mudha. As animal-like, ass-like mentality. Simply working hard to try to enjoy. Not a dhamma. A dharma. Dhamma. Means the lowest. They've given up bhakti. One of the commentators says, I think it was Vishnath, they've given up bhakti. They were doing dharma. They knew it was good, but if they could get the same thing without the dharma, without the religious activity, why do the religious activity? Their aim is simply the result, the enjoyment. So if they can get the same result without religion, then they're referred to as Naradama. Mayaya prahita jnana. Knowledge stolen by illusion. They may know that there's knowledge in the Vedas, but they don't know what's the true essence of the Vedas. Remember, Vyasudev put all the directions for the upliftment of mankind in the Vedas. And even after presenting all the Vedas for the proper conduct of mankind in the material world with proper prescriptions for elevation to the topmost enjoyable platform, he wasn't content, right? He wasn't content. Similarly, there are those classes of people that follow the Vedas but do not know the purpose. It was only when his spiritual master reminded him to give the essence of the Vedas, to give the proper commentary. And what's the commentary on the Vedas? The mature commentary? The ripened fruit of Vedic knowledge? Srimad Bhagavatam. What Srimad Bhagavatam gives us? Give us? It gives us the mature commentary, which is come to the spiritual relationship with the Supreme Lord. Asuram Bhava Masrita. And there are those that say there is just no God. So, Naradamas, the jnanis who've given up the true goal of the Vedas, the people that just refute the Vedas, and the Muddhas. They're so busy just trying to enjoy life day to day. 
They have no interest. Those could be religious people. They're just stuck in... Could they? I mean, when I we say religious people, it depends on what your de- de- definition of religion is. We're going to... I would think... Number three? Would that be the number three? Those are the people who are okay. religious. That, that sounds... Basically, all these miscreants, discretina, they they do not have a proper conception. So I would not say that they're religious. No. Okay. Their conception is not does not in any way take them closer to the supreme. Their conceptions instead pull them away from the supreme. They're evil minded. They want. The exploitation is more important to them. Now, in the next verse, Chatur Vida Vijante Mam Jnana Sukritino Arjuna Arto Jignasur Artarti Jani Cha Bharatarsaba. O best among the Bharats, four kinds of pious men begin to render devotional service unto me the distress, the desire of wealth, the inquisitive. And he who is searching for knowledge of the Absolute. Alright. Sukritin. Those who obey the rules and regulations of Scripture because of some aspiration. All four of these particular devotees are not on the platform of unalloyed devotional service. They have some motive. The first three have a material desire to fulfill. Artha. Desire elimination of suffering. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, the pastime of Gajendra gives us some insight into the mentality. What was Gajendra's plight? He was being attacked in the water by a crocodile for many, many years. At some point, he, he remembered his relationship with Krishna. He, he repeated prayers that he remembered. And in, in his prayers, he begged to be saved, and Krishna came and saved him. So we see that often in life. Where there are many people... Many re- people fall into this category. When they're in distress, they cry out to the Supreme. No well, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Jignasu. Desire knowledge of the self. The example in Srimad Bhagavatam is Sonika Rishi. He inquired. He was listening. He wanted to know what is the nature. But he had a desire for that knowledge. Sakarma. Some tinge of material desire. Artarti. Desire wealth. The example is Dhruva Maharaj. We know the Dhruva Maharaj. He wanted a kingdom that would be equal to or surpass that of his father because of the insult of his mother-in-law. So he performed some austerity. Unfortunately, 
for the Sakarma devotee, what oftentimes happens is when their desire is fulfilled, their religious practice ceases. Now, in the case of these three people in the Bhagavat, all of them had direct, except for Sonika, all of them, Gajendra, Dhruva, they had direct audience of the Lord. So, therefore, immediately their hearts belted in, in devotion. Although these people, they take to religious practice, there is an opportunity because the heart hasn't yet developed an attachment to the Lord that they will fall away. Now also, in the category of not being a pure devotee, but being above having material desire, simply wanting spiritual knowledge, is the jnani. So they worship the Lord with devotion. The example is Sukadeva Goswami. But they've yet to rise to the platform of pure unalloyed devotional service. Prabhupada writes in the purport to this verse, these are not pure devotees because they have some aspiration to fulfill in exchange for devotional service. Pure devotional service is without aspiration and without desire for material profit. The Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu defines pure devotion thus Anyabilasita Sunyam Janakarmajanavritam Anu Kuyena Krishna Nu Silanam Bhakti Rutama. Beginning of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. That verse. What is it? Janakarma Janavritam. No desire for karma or jnana. Those with motivations may fall away after fulfillment of their desires. This is Prabhupada writing again. The jnani just wants Krishna and continues his service to the Supreme. Because he wants Krishna... He's not yet come to the plane of pure devotion, but he wants Krishna. He wants to come to that plane. But it's a desire. It's hard when you read the commentaries of Prabhupada and Vishwanath and Baladev. They all give a little different color to this concept of when the devotee comes into the plane of unalloyed devotion. And the most significant thing that comes out from those commentaries is that level of pure devotion is a blessing that comes by association with those that already have pure devotion. Sadhu Sangha is so important and specifically having the association of someone who has the most intimate loving relationship with the Lord. Someone who is attracted to the Lord in his original form and in his original 
display of transcendental love with those in his transcendental realm. In the commentaries, there is given some indication that unless you have that good association, that good direction, for the most part, the aspiring devotee, their desire is fulfilled in the realm of Vaikuntha, where there is awe and reverence. I came away from reading these commentaries with a understanding that we really need to take as much good association of truly advanced devotees and those members of the parampara that are giving us the highest concept and not be content with anything less than that. Does that make sense? We really want to become Krishna's unalloyed devotee and even though we may be riddled with material desire, our aspiration is to purify ourselves so we can enter into a most intimate service relationship or friendly relationship or parental relationship or loving relationship with Krishna, independent of attraction to his opulence. We want to love Krishna for Krishna's sake. So these lesser, anything, sakarma, we're not too interested in. We really want to, uh, you know, take advantage of, of Krishna's pure devotees as much as possible and become absorbed in thought of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that supreme cowherd boy. So you got a question? Yeah, I have a question. Um, so I've seen with um, you know, various individuals that can come to Krishna consciousness, you know, there's, there's attraction to the devotees and to um, you know, the philosophy, but there, there, you know, there can be kind of a desire to, you know, be part of the group or take on the, um, you know, kind of the um, guise of a devotee and some of it's more, you know, it's more external forms, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the, the idea of, you know, devotional service might be not very um, prominent. Um, and I, I think, you know, I mean, through association, that, of course, can change a lot. But there is sometimes that attraction, you know, it's a material attraction. And yeah, well, Krishna, yeah. So? Well, I'm just, you know, I mean... Whatever gets us there, yeah. let's just like we may attract people to the practice by, by so many external means. Mm -hmm. But it, if the objective of our preaching is to give people pure unalloyed devotional service, that's the proper conception. So similarly, that's, that's truly the hope of Lord Chaitanya Sankirtan movement, 
is to whatever attracts people bring them and let them hear the holy name and let them hear this philosophy let them associate with the sadhus the devotees the saints and hopefully a true desire will well up in their heart otherwise they come and go we see so many people come and go so many people they don't develop that higher aspiration they may not have the they may just have some attraction for as you say some external they may want they want to be saved they want to be secure they want to they want the the shelter of krishna just like gajendra wanted protection from the crocodile so I'm many things with like the idea of a guru you know and yeah. Yeah. the our hope is that in that association though eventually they'll they're purified because it's so spiritually potent that uh, it'll have some great significant impact on their on their life and they'll see the value of pure devotional service free of all gyan and all just to know god that's the point to know god's one thing to know that you want to love god that's another to be protected by god that's one thing to be given opulence by the supreme that's one thing just like the verses these people were all good people they're all devoted people but let's try to take that devotion to the next level where it can truly end all material miseries as long as there's some business relationship with Krishna, this realm is the primary business realm. This is the, this is the business district for Krishna, this material world. This, he does his business here. He does his loving somewhere else. Yes? How is that all Yeah, we. It's hard for us to judge. We we our judgment has to be. Let's purify ourselves. Then we'll have perfect vision. And you're all you're reminded of a, a particular incident in Chaitanya Charitamrita of uh, uh, Pundarik Vijayaniti. Imagine here was a a king like guy who he's in his chambers, which are just a beautiful bed chamber, and he's being fanned and being sweat fed uh, sweet meats and he's looking at himself in the mirror and <laughs> so but this devotee I, I forget it I think it was Govinda he, he told Lord Nityananda no 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 Gadadhar let me introduce you to this great devotee he's a tremendous he's, you wouldn't believe the level of devotion he has he took him to meet him, and this is what the externals were. He's there. You're looking at himself in the mirror. You know, you, you know, I don't know exactly, but the point was, whatever he was doing from the external point of view looked entirely materialistic, like a Haranyakasi poo in the lap of luxury in the comfortable bed. 
you wouldn't think he was a devotee. So then he said, well, just watch. And he read a verse from the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam relaying the loving relationship of, 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 of the gopis with Krishna. And he lost his mind. He lost all composure. He ripped up his bed. He was rolling on the ground in ecstasy. He was just, he was, he was complete, he just, he completely lost it just by hearing that one verse. He fell into an ecstatic trance. He displayed his level of spirituality in the most profound way that other people would think he just went mad. But the devotees, they could recognize my just by hearing this one verse from the Bhagavatam. Look. But if you were to walk in his, his bedchamber and see the way he was living, whoa, is this a devotee of Krishna? I don't understand this at all. We have to be a little careful. Of course, we have to discriminate for our own spiritual well-being. So it's, it's both things. Knowing that we could be wrong and probably are. That's the best way to look at it. So if somebody's displaying not so devotional characteristics, we kind of keep our distance. But we recognize they could be a great devotee. But better we we remain humble. And uh, we also protect protect ourselves in association. Yes? Something that was on my mind about that uh, maybe some time ago was that ultimately, too, um, what simplified it, at least for me, was in the case of a devotee who has taken shelter of the guru. And, um, you know, at that point, it's not really about, oh, let's, for me at least, it's not really about, oh, let me avoid you know, the list of offenses and all of that so I can make sure I'm following the rules. It's about the fact that the guru extended his grace to that person Mm -hmm. and to question it, to question it is beyond, you know, beyond comprehension, really. Well, that's there also, but also it's a two-way street. We shouldn't be... Gurus extending his mercy to so many. Some some are taking full advantage and some are, are... taking advantage for their spiritual advancement and some are simply taking advantage. I, don't so. mean, I didn't mean that. I just, I just mean that, that putting faith in the guru's um, uh, you know, ability to take care of that. In other words, we don't have to worry. If a person needs to be straightened out... And that's that, right. That's good. That's, that's exactly right. Yes, the guru, that's his responsibility. Thank you so very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.